Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. As we come to God's word in worship this morning, I invite us to turn in our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and let's hear God's word to us this morning. Paul is writing to Timothy and to us, and he says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, we have heard your word this morning, and we long to learn from it, to learn from you truths that will speak into our lives, that will shape our understanding. And so, Lord, once again, even as you prepare to teach us, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, and eyes to see, and hearts that would be responsive to your truths this day. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. It was a Saturday night in 1899 when reporters from four different Denver newspapers converged on Union Station in Denver. Each of them had been given the assignment of coming up with a front page article for the Sunday newspaper the next day. Each of them came to the train station hoping that they would find some celebrity traveling through whom they could write about. And each of them left Union Station disappointed when there was no such person. As the four reporters retired to the nearby saloon, they talked about what they were going to do about their assignments the next morning. And eventually they came up with the idea that they would make up a story. Now they knew it had to be outrageous enough and far enough away from Denver that it would be believed. And so the story they came up with was that they had encountered engineers that evening on the train through Denver and that these engineers were on their way to China to bid on the dismantling of the Great Wall. (laughs) True story. Next morning, all four newspapers printed that story. It was a lie, but it carried so much authority that in the days that followed, other newspapers around the country picked it up, and eventually it made its way around the world. But the larger story doesn't end there. For 40 years later, 
there was a claim made in a magazine article that this newspaper story had been the trigger for the Boxer Rebellion in China in 1900, that it had so enraged Chinese nationalists that during this Boxer Rebellion, which did actually happen, thousands of Christians and missionaries were killed. Now, there's no evidence in Chinese history that the Chinese knew anything about this newspaper article, and history seems to show it was actually German, Germany's invasion that triggered the Boxer Rebellion. But this linkage between article and rebellion was repeated for decades by authors and even pastors warning against the dangerous consequences of careless words. The article and the ensuing claim sounded authoritative, but there was no substance underneath them. In contrast, Jesus says that those who hear his words and do them are like a wise person who builds their home on rock. And Jesus' words and everything else in this book provide a solid bedrock for us to base our lives upon. It's a trustworthy guide for our actions as well as to shape our beliefs. And so as we talk this fall about putting first things first, we want to look this morning about making the Bible our first authority. Now, unfortunately, that's not always the case from Monday through Saturday when we are not in worship. A recent survey found that more than half of those who regularly attend church read the Bible once a week or less. More than half. And the number one reason given for not reading it is people didn't prioritize it. They didn't put first things first. Now, there may be some reasons why this is the case. There is so much in this book that it can be hard for us to know where to read. And so perhaps we don't. The wording and the customs written centuries ago, so unfamiliar to us, can be daunting for us to read. Presbyterian pastor and author Frederick Buechner described our dilemma when he wrote these words, the Bible not only looks awfully dull, but some of it is. The prophets are wildly repetitious and almost never know when to stop. There are all the begats. There are passages that even Moses must have nodded over. There are lists of kings, dietary laws, tribes, and tribal territories. There's the book of Leviticus, almost most of the book of Numbers. In short, one way to describe the Bible written by many different men over a period of 3,000 years and more would be to say that it is a disorderly collection of 60-odd books, which are often tedious, barbaric, obscure, and teem with contradictions and inconsistencies. Let him who tries to start out in Genesis and work his way conscientiously to Revelation 
beware. Yes, this can be a hard book to read. But we have to ask the question, if the Bible is not our primary voice each week that guides our actions and belief, what is? Is it the opinions of friends whom we respect? Is it the norms of, of our society that we are expected to blend into? Is it the authoritative sounding words that we hear on TV or read on the internet? Or do we tend to rely most upon our own personal instincts for what is right or wrong, true or false? If we were to rank the voices of authority that we most listen to each week, what would be the top two or three? That's not a rhetorical question. You see, it's important for us to understand what influences us most in our lives, as well as to assess how this book ranks among other sources of authority. Kent Hughes has observed, you can never have a Christian mind without reading the scriptures regularly because you cannot be profoundly influenced by that which you do not know. If the Bible is not currently a regular source of authority for us throughout the week, would we consider this morning giving it a larger voice in our lives to make it our first authority? And it's so important that we do because today's passage reminds us of two important ways that the Bible provides meaning and direction for our lives. First of all, the Bible is our greatest authority for understanding our identity. Paul writes in verse 15, the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Our story is shaped by so much more than the work we do or the family that we are a part of or by how others view us. At the very core of our story is our creator who loves us so much who so deeply desired relationship with us that he went to extraordinary, costly lengths, even death, to maintain that relationship. And in this book, we find the ultimate story of whose we are, of who we are, and of how we have been saved by Jesus Christ. Too often it seems like we tend to approach the Bible as if it's a textbook that we need to master. And who can get excited about that? In reality, this book is a love letter from God. Paul tells us that it's God-breathed from God to each of us. And in this book, he reveals to us his character and his faithfulness to his people even when we are not always faithful. 
When my wife Deborah and I were dating, I can still remember the eagerness with which I would read her notes and letters because they were reminders to me of how much I was loved. And God longs for us to treasure his words in the same way, to make them first authority for our lives and for our very story of who we are. Author C.S. Lewis once wrote that there are two kinds of reading. There's reading in which we use a book for our own purposes, and there's reading in which we receive the author's purpose. When we approach the Bible for the purpose of finding answers to questions, we will find ourselves so often stuck in the weeds of details. But when we approach this book from God's purpose, we find ourselves asking, what do I learn about God here? And what do I learn about myself? The Bible is our story of salvation. And more than any other authority, it shapes our understanding of who we are. The Bible is also our greatest authority for understanding how to live well. Paul writes in verses 16, 7, what uh, is really the Bible's strongest statement about itself. When he says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The teaching and the rebuking that Paul refers to here has to do with the mind and what we believe. Biblical teaching informs and shapes our understanding of who God is and what it means to be in relationship with him. And rebuking exposes wrong beliefs by holding them up against the truths of scripture where their weaknesses can be revealed. These wrong beliefs were a significant problem in Paul's day, and they still are for us as well today. For many people believe what they believe about God simply because they want to, because it makes them feel good about the God whom they are following. But the Bible is our first authority for all matters of faith. It's God's self-revelation about himself. And then Paul's reference to correction and training has to do with the practical life. Scripture is like a mirror to us. When we hold it up, we become more aware of the sin in our lives that hurts us, that hurts others, that separates us from God. It shapes our understanding of how to live more like Jesus and how to be in alignment with our creator. And in the same way that water will gradually wear away rock, drop by drop, so the Bible can soften our hearts and change our lives when we return to it again and again and again. Now let's be honest, few of us get very excited about Paul's words of being rebuked and corrected. 
But think about the football players many of us may watch later today or during the Broncos game tomorrow. They are at this highest level of play only because they were willing to be corrected by coaches so that they could be the very best players possible. And if these football players took that posture because playing football was so important to them, can we not do the same when it comes to our Christian walk? Deborah and I just had to buy a new car after our old one broke down and we are still working our way through the manufacturer's instructions for it. Well, this book is our manufacturer's operating instructions on how to live wisely and how to live well. And Paul tells us that it will thoroughly equip us for every good work. No other voice in our lives provides the same dependable authority as the Bible. Let's look once again at Paul's words in verse 14 when he writes, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Paul's encouragement to continue here is far more than just keep on doing what you're already doing. The Greek tense that Paul uses here actually calls us to a constant and a continual habit in life. In other words, we are to immerse ourselves in this book, to become so familiar with the Bible that it shapes our convictions which in turn guides how we live. And this will only happen if we decide to make the Bible our first authority and regularly listen to and be influenced by it. But how do we do this when it's not always an easy book to read? when there are other competing voices that are so much less demanding. Let me offer three brief thoughts. First of all, we need a time. And here's where we put first things first. If reading our Bible isn't on our calendar, it won't be a priority. Because the most important things in our lives are scheduled and prioritized so that we will make sure that we can do them. And so if we want to be influenced by the Bible throughout the course of our week, we need to value it enough to set aside time so that we will read it. Identify a period of time that revolves around the Bible rather than the Bible revolving around everything else in our lives. And then second, we need partners. We need others to walk with us through the inevitable challenges and questions that we encounter when we do read this book. You know, on any given Sunday morning, we have an average of 500 adults who meet in classes around the church to study the Bible, even beyond what we do here in worship. Others come Wednesdays for our Growing Together Wednesday program. 
And you know, First Pres doesn't offer classes on Sundays or Wednesdays or Bible studies during the week just because that's what churches are supposed to do. We offer them because we all need partners on the journey of learning from the Bible. And so if you are not in a place of community where you can ask your questions and express your uncertainties, or if you do not have one or two partners in your life, consider how you might add them in a way that you can walk with others as you seek to make this your first authority. And then finally, we need a tool. We need a tool, something that can guide us in where to read because if we try to read the Bible from front to back, we will encounter those inevitable speed bumps most often in the Old Testament that make it hard to get through. And if we just continue to pick scriptures to read, we'll eventually end up going around in a circle just reading the same passages that we are aware of. My own reading of the Bible became consistent 25 years ago only after I found a tool that tells me where to read each day. And so let me encourage you, if this is not a regular part of your week, to consider Googling Bible reading plan online or to get a one-year Bible that will walk you in other ways through the Bible in a year rather than from cover to cover, to get CDs that you can listen to while you are driving or perhaps to utilize the daily bread or other devotions that take us into different passages of scripture each day. In fact, we have copies of the daily bread at our reception desks in the narthex and in the plaza this morning that if you are looking for a tool that would bring you more into reading God's word, we would love for you to pick one of these up. If that would be helpful for you as we seek to make this book our first authority. Years ago, a missionary gave a Bible to an African man, and the man was so profuse in his thankfulness and in his expressions of gratitude, the missionary was puzzled when they crossed paths again some months later. For this man's Bible looked torn and beat up, and there were even pages missing. And he said to the man, I thought you would take better care of this Bible that I gave you. I assumed that you wanted it and you would treasure it. And the African man replied, it is the finest gift I have ever received. It is such a wonderful book. I gave a page to my father and I gave a page to my mother. And then I gave a page to everyone in my village. May we each value this book so much that we too would wear it out as we consider where and how to put first things first. May the Bible be our first, most treasured source of authority in our lives. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, how blessed we are that you would love us so to reveal to us so much about yourself in this book, to set for us standards that so often to us feel so high and yet 
They are your way of calling us to so much more than we are willing to settle for. Lord God, you know our challenges sometimes in reading this book that was written so long ago. I pray this morning that you would help each of us to find ways that it can be a regular voice of authority in our lives. A voice of authority that rises above all the others that clamor for our attention. Lord God, help us to learn in every way we can of your love for us in this book and of what it means to live as your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.